Hey everybody, pray you've had an amazing service so far. We're jumping into the Word this morning. For everyone who's here for the first time, if we haven't met yet, my name is Jean-Michel. I'm one of the pastors here at Victory, and it's my privilege to bring the Word. Today we're in the series Gear Up. Come on, type gear up in the chat, post it, get connected with the community online today. We're in gear up and we're talking about the armor of God. We've been talking about how the armor of God is actually centered, not on us, but centered around the person of Jesus Christ. That to put on the full armor of God is to put on the fullness of Jesus. We spoke um, about the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, how Jesus is truth, how we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, because God made Jesus to become sin, that Jesus is truth. He is truth and grace all together as one. And to put on the armor of God, the belt of truth, holding the breastplate of righteousness in place is to put on the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We also spoke last week about the gospel of peace and our feet being made ready with the preparation that comes from the gospel of peace. And we spoke a lot about anxiety and burnout. And today, before we jump into today's sermon, I just want to take a minute and say to everybody, the reality of where we are as a nation right now is brutal. And there is anxiety and fear and, and difficulty and burnout everywhere. And I believe it's a word in season. So if you missed last week's message, make sure, go and listen to it. And if you're struggling with any kind of anxiety, depression, or any kind of burnout, you feel you're emotionally getting to the end of yourself, go listen to that message and let God speak to you about the gospel of peace. It comes from Jesus, right? The armor of God is centered around Jesus. And so today we pivot because as the text is written, and we're going to read through it in a minute, but as the text is written, these first three pieces of the armor of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and our feet fitted with, with the, the shoes or the boots of the gospel of peace, right? These three are things that we put on our bodies, right? And Paul says it in a very specific way. He, he singles out those three, and now he's going to talk about three more that are slightly different. And so we've spoken about the first three. Now we're going to go into the next two. Today, the first one, we're going to be talking about the shield. And so as we open this up today, we're going to pivot together. And as we do that, we're going to pray quickly. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and just fill us with your presence right now to open up our minds and our hearts to what you have to say. This is your word, and so we ask that you would speak it into our hearts. Speak truths. Open us up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, come on. As we're opening up today's sermon, I want to do a little bit of a social experiment, right? We're here in South Africa, and if you're watching from overseas, South Africa is a footballing nation. I'm not talking about American football or Aussie rules football. I'm talking about the real football. I'm talking about what some people call soccer, right? Football. That's what we're about, man. And wherever you go in South Africa, we're mad about football. We love it, right? And uh, this is my experiment today. I want to ask you, who's watching at home, post in the chat right now, which football team do you support? 
Simple question, right? Which football team do you support? Here in South Africa, maybe it's a local league, Premier League. Maybe you support a team from overseas, British Premier League, or maybe somewhere else. Just post in the chat now. I'll tell you, everyone at home, that uh, as for me and my house, <laughs> we will support Chelsea. Come on, Chelsea is the one and only team. I can see all the typing going on now. Nope, nope, nope. Who's the right team? It's Chelsea. Me and my wife, we've been Chelsea supporters for a long time. We will continue to be. And uh, if that offends anybody today, you know, it's just a bit of fun. But I want to just experiment today and just see which team do you support, right? You'll start to see that in even a, a community like ours, there are so many vast different opinions about something as simple as a football team. And I want you to keep that in mind as we get into today's sermon, right? We, we all kind of, we, we belong to these teams in a way. We belong to communities in a way. We identify with, we connect to others who support the same team as us, think the same way as us. Keep this in mind as we read today. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. We're going to read together. This is the next piece of the armor of God. It says this, in addition to all of this, so, right, we've spoken about the first three. Paul is now saying, in addition to those three, he takes a bit of a pivot, slightly different. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the shield of faith. This is not something that we put onto our body. This is something that we take and here's what the small difference is between that, right? These, these pieces of armor that we've put on are defensive, and they're simply defensive. They help us hold our balance, walk in difficult terrain. They help us guard us and protect us and hold our armor in place. But this shield, this is something we take up. This is something we maneuver. This is something we use. And we'll see this next week as well. But today, the shield of faith is what we're talking about. And so I want to ask you the question, what does the shield look like? We've spoken as the weeks have gone by that when Paul is imagining this and speaking it into the congregation at Ephesus, he is describing a Roman soldier. It's the type of soldier that everyone would know, everyone would have seen around, and they would know exactly what Paul was talking about. So what did the shield look like? Well, it's not a small shield. It's not a little round thing that you might imagine. No, this is a big shield, sometimes six feet tall, right? Between four and six feet tall, massive shield. It was wide, and you might have seen these in different places or on TV or wherever, that oftentimes it was red. It might have insignia on it. It was a thick kind of plate shield that was wrapped around um, leather, and you would strap it to your arm, and it would protect almost your whole body. It was a massive, massive shield. This is what he was thinking about when he was speaking about this shield. And you know that it's said that the shield is actually the most important piece of the armor. That's, that's amazing. That's interesting. It's, it's, I'll tell you exactly why it's the most important, because the shield protects the rest of the armor. Come on. The shield is the first line 
of defense. It's the first thing that goes out when anything, when any attack comes your way, the first thing that goes out is the shield. And the shield actually protects the rest of the armor. We spoke about how the breastplate was so important because it it protects your core, it protects your vital organs, right? But even before that is the shield. And it's so important. And I can't stress this enough. Today, it is huge. What we're talking about today, it is vital. It's so, so vital. Every piece of the armor of God is. But the shield of faith is of particular importance. It protects the rest of the armor. It's called the shield of faith, which means faith protects truth. It protects righteousness, and it protects peace. Underlying all of those things is this idea of faith. It's a big word, and we're going to break it down. You know that a shield is not something that just happens by itself. It's an intentional piece of the armor, right? It's not a wall to hide behind. It's not immovable. In fact, it's maneuverable. The shield moves around, which makes it not just something passive, but something intentional. It's strategic. You move that shield as it needs to be moved. It's an intentional piece of the armor. And you know that in this verse, it says that um, the enemy is firing flaming arrows at us, right? Some translations say flaming darts. They're directed. The idea about that is, is that these arrows are not just randomly kind of fired anywhere. They are strategic. They strategically are aimed at you. Strategically aimed to hurt and to destroy you. And it is the shield that protects us from those schemes of the enemy. But check this out. How would this work? I I just wanted to open up the idea of these flaming arrows and why it's so important. What they would do with these shields, right, before they went into battle, because the flaming arrow was used all around the world to, um, to attack and to, to cause damage all around the world, right? So the Roman army, wherever they encountered armies, they would encounter flaming arrows. Now, the shield had leather built into it, and leather is vulnerable to fire. So what they would do is they would soak the shield in water before they went into battle, right? So this shield was soaked in water. Anytime a flaming arrow hit that shield, the fire would disappear. The damage would disappear. And there's something about that. Biblically, water represents the Holy Spirit. And this is a whole preach by itself. We're not going to go down that road today. But the Holy Spirit is the water of life inside of us. We need to soak in that. We need to soak in the Holy Spirit. That's just something to take home for now. But they would soak their shields in water. And with that, they would quench the fiery arrows that would come. But here's the most important part of the shield. The shield wasn't so effective because it was large. It wasn't so effective because it was drenched in water. No. The shield was so effective for the Roman army because it wasn't used alone. Come on, the Roman army was so effective because of something called a phalanx. It is a a collective of soldiers that would stand together. They would lock shields with each other 
one man protecting another. And by doing that, the arrows, the missiles, the attacks of the enemy would be made of little importance because all of these shields locked in together would protect all the soldiers. Come on, church. I don't know if you get where I'm going with this, but shields were not meant to be used alone. They are to be used in conjunction with others. So I want to jump into a scripture real quick. And this is Jesus praying for his disciples and by extension, praying for us. Check this out. John chapter 17 from verse 20 to 23, it says this. My prayer, Jesus' prayer, is not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. Jesus is praying for us. Those that believe in Christ through the disciples' message, that's us. He's praying for us. Verse 21, that all of them, all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Come on, this is a deep cry from Jesus' spirit. He is praying to God about his disciples and about the church that comes from the message that the disciples have sent out. He's praying for us. What does he pray for? He prays that we might be one, that the disciples would be one, that we who come from the disciples would be one with the disciples, one with Jesus. And just as Jesus is one with God, that we through Jesus would be one in complete unity. See that word there, complete unity. And what does that bring? When we're in complete unity, it shows the world that God loves them, that he loves us. That changes the world, the unity that Jesus is praying for. But church, we're not one. Here's where the challenge comes, right? Here's the reality you and I have to face. We are not one. Notice how everything that Jesus does throughout his ministry and everything about the armor of God is completely opposite to how the world works. In the world, there is lies, there is distortions of truth. So Jesus says, I bring you truth, right? Where there are lies, he brings truth. In the world, it's full of sin and unrighteousness. And so Jesus brings righteousness, right? Belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness. In the world, the world is full of anxiety and stress and, and burnout and fear and depression. It's, the world is rife with that. So Jesus brings peace into that situation. And today, the world is divided. And Jesus brings unity. 
Come on, unity. One shield locked in with another. One believer locked in with another. Come on, together as one, we are powerful. Separated, we are not strong. But in the presence of two or three, in the presence of many, there is power. Come on. We are divided. We are not one. Come on, in this world, we are divided racially. We divided on economic lines, anything you can imagine. We divided on political lines, who has and who doesn't, where you live, how you dress, what music you listen to, how you style your hair, whether you have tattoos or whether you don't, whether you have piercings or whether you don't, whether you go certain places, who are your friends, which religion do you belong to. We're divided everywhere, all over the place. We are divided And within the church, which church do you go to? What do they teach? What do they believe? What is their praise and worship like? Come on, church, let's get real for a second. We got real last week. Can we remain real with each other? The style of the pastor, how does he talk? What does he do? We get divided on this. And it doesn't stop there. It doesn't just stop at getting divided. We find ourselves actually pulling other people down, dividing ourselves even further because we no longer just say, okay, well, I'm different to you. We insert the idea, you are wrong and I am right. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? You know, we're even divided on football teams and sometimes we're even divided as people because of something as trivial as which football team you support. Now, come on, I just, let's break the tension for a second. I love Chelsea, right? And it's okay to support your team. It's okay. And it's okay to get, a, but you know, all my friends, all my friends, and most of my family supports Liverpool. So I just have to fight the fight against Liverpool all the time, right? That's okay. And you know, I'll throw jabs and they'll throw jabs back at me. I believe there's one or two people in our church that support Tottenham Hotspur. I mean, Tottenham, guys, who supports Tottenham? <laughs> I'll shout out to Dimitri, our elder, and uh, Gerard, one of our home cell leaders. We always have this fight right? And it's all in good fun, right? But it goes beyond. We all know that people will fight over a football team. Ask myself the question, why? Why do we build communities? One of the reasons that we do all of this, like we said at the beginning of this, this sermon, is that we, we build communities. We want to belong to something, right? Why do we build those communities? I think we build it because there is an inbuilt need inside of every human being to belong to something. When we feel like we don't belong, the anxiety that comes with that is huge. I mean, you think about high school, the, the need that young people have to fit in, to look right, sound right, be right. They'll change their personality, teenagers especially. They'll, they'll go back on what they believe in they really feel in order to fit in. Not everybody, but it happens a lot. And those that stand up and say, no, I'm going to be different, they're treated as if weird or somehow wrong for being different. In this church, I'll tell you right now, we celebrate differences. We celebrate our diversity. Come on, in South Africa, we have our own history of crazy division, ungodly, evil division on racial terms, and we're still working through that. 
We're still working through that as a nation. Of course we're still working through it. Come on, of course. People like to say, well, it's been so much time since, you know, things have changed. Why isn't everything just fixed? It's not going to take 10 years, 20 years, 30 years to fix our country. It's going to take time. And beyond just time, it's going to take the church. It's going to take Jesus to mend the, the broken hearts, the wounded things that have just destroyed our nation. Come on, and it's going to take people who are willing to have conversations, people who are willing to do what it takes, people who are willing to change their mentalities. It's going to take time. That's our nation. Division is everywhere. We build communities because we need to belong to something. We need to belong. Jesus wants us to belong to him. See, Jesus himself has been in community forever. Since the beginning, all along, Jesus has been in community. He says in the scripture, I, w I want that they would be one like we are one. Jesus has been in community with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, have been in community, the Trinity. It's something very difficult to understand. It's not three gods, it's one God, but somehow community has been there since the beginning. It's designed by God and it's inside of us. We need to belong. And church, the world is divided, but we are a collective. Come on. We can be that collective church, the people who are together as one, just the way Jesus wants us to be. But even in our local body, even in our church, there's division, there is difficulty. Even in our local body, where there is division, there is difficulties. Now let me ask you the question, when does unity get tested? It gets tested in trials, in difficulties. That's when unity gets tested. Come on, in your marriage right now, the, your marriage is a community. It's you and your wife, you and your husband, together as one, right? When does your marriage get tested? When there is strife, when there is difference of opinion, when there is difficulty, when someone does something you don't understand, your unity gets tested and unity must be protected. Remember, we're talking about a shield. It's a protective device. Unity must be protected at your workplace with your colleagues and your boss. Come on, when you can unify, when you can be one, you become powerful as an organization and that unity gets tested. Come on, for our business owners, you and your employees, come on, when your, when your unity gets tested, you can become divided. And as you become divided, cracks start forming where there can be issues and difficulties and the whole organization can get taken down. But where there is unity, when we're locked in together, there is power in the church, in our church. Come on, we are longing for unity. And we have an amazing, a beautiful, powerful church. But do you think that our church is above the enemy coming to attack us? Of course not. He's gonna be firing those arrows at us all the time, but we're locked in together. If at any point we come apart, those arrows can come in and they can cause damage. That fire can cause damage. And so Jesus cries out, let them be one. Let us be one. We need to protect unity, the collective. We are the collective body 
of Jesus. That's who we are. That's who he's made us to be. And so I want to bring this message to how. How do we protect that unity? How is that unity made? How do we lock shields with each other? And this is how. We build community by caring for others, by seeing the beauty in someone else, by seeing the power in the diversity between you and me, by seeing the value in someone who is different to you, to see the value in different ideas, different opinions, to see the value in coming together and asking the question, how can we do this together? This is how we build it. This is the shield of faith. That word faith in the Greek is the word pistis. And that means to have faith, to have a, a, a unbending will. And it also means to be faithful. Church, we need to be faithful to our God, but we need to be faithful to each other. Faithful to one another. That when there is problems, inevitably there will be in any community that we talk it through, that we find a way. I want to read in Ephesians, a little bit before this, chapter 2, same book, the same kind of letter, but it's what Paul said a little bit earlier. He says this, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from ourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, lest anyone can boast. You have been saved by grace through faith. And just for one more second, I want to just break this open. That word saved in the original Greek is the word sesos menoi. Sesos menoi. And the way that this word is written, I just think this is really beautiful. The tense in Greek is very important. This word is written in what's called perfect tense. We don't have such a thing in English. We have past, present, future. Perfect tense basically means throughout time. So it's an event that happened in the past, but the result is still happening in the future. It's a continual being saved. You and I are saved, delivered, set free, protected, inspired, touched, changed. Always through faith. It's by the grace that was given at the cross. It was poured out on all mankind. Love was poured out on all of us. And it is our faith that activates that. Come on, it is our faith that activates this in our lives. Our faithfulness to each other, faithfulness to God, our unbending will to believe in Jesus and his sacrifice for us. Every time we continue in that space, we link arms with each other. When there is brokenness between us, when we go to mend that brokenness, communicate about it and figure it out, we're linking, we bring faithfulness, linking our shields together. And in that collective, in that unity, there is power like we've never believed. Come on, now more than ever, we need to take care of each other. 
We need to worry not just about ourselves and, and whether the arrows are hitting us, but whether the arrows are hitting our friends, our family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Come on, when there is pain in someone else's life, we the collective go and touch those people and help them. When there is need and brokenness, that's when harvest blessing comes and we help those that need help. Come on, that's why we do what we do. When there is, when there is sickness or disease, we go and we pray and we speak in faith for healing and deliverance. When there is brokenness, we come and we bring counsel. When we need wisdom, we are there for each other. And it is offense and division and all the things of the world that's trying to rip that out of the church. But today we declare we will not be divided. We will be one in Christ. We are, we, our will will never be shaken. Our faith will not be shaken. We have an unbending will to say we will be unified, even if there is a even if we've got to work through some stuff, even if we need to figure out some stuff in our marriage, figure out some stuff in the church, wherever it is, come on, we are committed to being faithful to each other and faithful to God. It's the unity that God brings when we link our shields together, the shield of faith, faith that Jesus already paid the price faith that he has our whole future planned out. So come on, we're going to pray together today. I believe that right now where you are, God is speaking to you and to me about where we can unify in our marriages, where we can unify in our families, where we can unify in the church. I want to challenge you, challenge us and encourage us to go to those people that have offended us, to go to the people where there is an issue and to open it up. Where it is open, the light comes in and brings healing. It's not always easy. It's not always easy in the battle to keep your shields locked in together. But as we are faithful, there's something supernatural that comes in that brings life. Maybe you need to go and talk to that family member Maybe you need to bring some unity back into your family. Maybe your brother or your sister. There was an offense long ago and you're still feeling the effects of it now. Maybe you need to go to your husband or your wife and talk about that thing that you've been carrying for so long that you can get it out the way so that you can be unified. When we unify, we are strong. God needs us strong. We need strength. We don't get it just from ourselves, but from our brothers and our sisters, from the people around us, from our community. So come, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask today that you would just love us today. As imperfect humans, there are so many things that divide us, pull us apart from each other. But today we want to ask that you would unify us. I'm praying for marriages today, that where there is division, you'll bring unity. I'm praying for families and businesses today, where there is division, will you bring unity? And I'm praying for your church, our local expression and the global church, that Father, you would unify us, that you would help us bridge gaps, get past those divisions that we have, that you can bring unity to us. It's so vital, Father. And so where there is offense, God, I pray that you'll begin to bring freedom, healing, that communication can happen, that freedom can come. 
unity can come again. Where there is unity, you command blessing. And so we receive that today. For every person who's struggling with this, Lord, I pray you bring the ability to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.